Thessalonians 2, we'll pray. We'll pray for these requests at the end of the service tonight. I have an unspoken praise tonight, okay? Something been praying about for a few weeks, something very serious, and the Lord answered. And I thank God for it, and he answered in a big way. And uh, so I praise the Lord uh, for, for taking care of a really big burden. So thank God for it. Um, so we were in 1 Thessalonians 2 last week. And uh, that was an extension off of Acts uh, 17. Uh, we started in Acts 17 Sunday night before the last. And uh, we, we looked at the church that was started there in uh, Thessalonica. And um, so as a result of that, uh, Paul wrote this first epistle to the Thessalonians. And we looked through chapter 1 and a good portion of chapter number two, and I want to finish up chapter two this evening and uh, look at a few scriptures here. I'm glad I'm saved, aren't you? I want you to be glad you're saved, because if you're not glad you're saved, you're going to have a hard time with this message tonight. I'm just going to tell you, okay? Um, I want you to be glad that you're saved. You know that you're uh, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and your sins are, are forgiven, uh, we're going to, let's begin in verse 13 this evening, and uh, let's pray for the Lord. We're going to read these verses, and uh, then we're going to pray, and uh, we're going to pray uh, for all that's going on in our campus tonight, and uh, we're going to pray for the Lord to open up our hearts to his word and, and help us as uh, we look at something I think is very important and uh, for our, our Christian faith, and may it be a blessing and help to you tonight. Verse 13, for this cause... Also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye brethren became followers of the church of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So Paul, when he is writing this letter, he is writing to the believers. That's why he's calling them brethren. He's talking about them receiving the word of God as it was delivered, receiving the gospel which he's going to speak of here in verse number 15. And so he is speaking here to those who know they're saved and uh, know Jesus Christ as Savior. And as a result of that, they have suffered persecution. And uh, Paul had to quickly get out of Thessalonia because of the persecution that was stirred up there. And so he mentioned that they had suffered um, from their own countrymen even as they have of the Jews. He says in verse 15, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they please not God and are contrary to all men. Now the sad thing is 
they believe that they are pleasing God. So they are religious individuals who believe what they are doing is pleasing God and doing it in the name of God. But in reality, they are doing contrary to the Lord. And they are persecuting uh, those who are believing and teaching and preaching the truth. So he says in verse 16 that they forbid us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved. To fill up their sins always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. From verse 17 on into chapter 3, Paul is a great example of what it is to love the brethren. And he, even though he's not with them in, in, in physical bodily presence, he is, still, he is still with them in heart and spirit, and he cares greatly for them. And you get to chapter 3, he sends Timotheus with this letter uh, back to them. But when he's speaking to them, let's finish up verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 18. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again... But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? You might underline those words, crown of rejoicing. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. You know, I remember hearing an illustration some time ago, and it was a little girl sitting in a a worship service, and the offering plate was passed around from person to person, row to row, and it got to this little girl, and she had nothing to give, and she thought very quickly, what can I give? What What can I give to the Lord? And Uh, She was smarter than most of us because very quickly she came up with something. And she put the offering plate on the ground and she got up and she stood inside of it. And she just told her dad, I have nothing to give except myself. Amen? And that is, I, I want us to think about that tonight. And... I want to deal with the subject, the believer's reward this evening. The believer's reward. And we want to be in a position where we have something to give to God, don't we? For everything that he has given to us. And so if you got a pen and a piece of paper, you might want to write some stuff down tonight. You might want to write down a lot of references. If you don't know your Bible very well, you might put your finger in the table of contents because we're going to look at some scriptures and uh, we're just going to do the best we can to get through this tonight in time, as concerning time. But I, I've got some things that I want to go over tonight that, I, that you need to know. And uh, it's a great opportunity to deal with it. So let's pray together. Father, I, I want to pray tonight that you'll bless us in our time together. Lord, that you would open up our minds and our spirits to your word. We come together on a Wednesday night. And as I have often prayed... 
Lord, I, I realize everyone has had responsibilities today. It's a different night than it is on Sunday. And so a lot of people have worked, they have, they have come home, they have had to take care of things, and yet they come to church on Wednesday night and they are here and they are ready to be helped and encouraged and edified through your word this evening. And I'm praying that you'll use uh, the scriptures to minister and speak to every heart. Lord, we got a lot to pray for, and we're going to do that at the end of the service. We're going to break up in, in uh, groups, or we're going to individually, we're going to take some time to pray for the burdens that people are carrying and ask you to meet and answer prayers. And Father, while we're here, our children are right down the hall. And uh, they, are take, they are doing memory verses and they are learning Bible lessons. Lord, it broke my daughter's heart today when she realized that she just was not well enough to be able to come to Awana tonight because it excites her so much to come. And I pray that you'll bless every child and every mom and dad and every parent and every uh, young adult, everyone who is involved in teaching our children the word, may you encourage them and help them tonight. And then I pray for the teens, God, that you might minister to them in a great way. Spiritually, uh, Lord, would you nourish them, help them grow, help them grow together, help them to grow in your word and do a great work in their life. And I pray this tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We have all heard the saying that there are only two things you can be assured of in life. What are they? Death and taxes. That's right. We've all heard that. But tonight, I really I want to deal with a thought tonight that is another certainty that perhaps is disliked more than even death and taxes. It's judgment. It's judgment. It's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the what? The judgment. Do you know that there are seven major judgments laid out in the Bible? I want to give them to you tonight. We'll look at some of them, uh, Scripture. Uh, but the first one is this. It's an important one. And that is the judgment of sin. The judgment of sin. Well, I'm thankful that the judgment of sin has already taken place in the past. And it took place on a hill called Calvary when Jesus Christ gave himself for the sins of the world when he was nailed upon that old rugged cross. And through, through his offering for our sin, through the redemption and forgiveness found in the blood of Jesus Christ, we live out our Christian life uh, knowing this, that our sins are behind us. Amen? Our sins have been paid for. And so that judgment has been taken care of. Now, the problem with that is some people refuse to accept that. And they don't accept Jesus Christ's offering for their sin. Don't accept the atonement for their sin. And as a result, they choose to pay for their sin themselves. Isn't that sad? They, there, there is a judgment for sin. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior... You did so because by faith you trusted that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried and through the power of God was raised again the third day. And as a result, we are redeemed, we are justified, we are forgiven from all of the things that we have done. Any person who rejects Jesus Christ 
are still in their sin and will have to pay for them for eternity. We'll get to that on number seven. The second one is this. It is the self-judgment of the believer. I want you to turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, Just a few pages to your left, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this particular passage is where uh, Paul delivers the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And it's a, there's something that takes place here that is very important in the life of the believer. Because as we live out our Christian life, there remains a need for corrective discipline. We've been forgiven, but we can live in this, fle- this flesh and get out of the will of God. And therefore, we need to judge ourselves. We need to evaluate our own lives spiritually and act in submission to the Holy Spirit to avoid the chastening of the Lord. So look with me in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26. Paul teaches us here. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world." So it's an important thing every day that we examine ourselves and judge ourselves and confess our sins unto the Lord who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's see, you're in 1 Corinthians 13. Why don't you look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, okay? And the third one is, is this. It is the judgment of the believer's works. At the judgment seat of Christ. And there are a number of scriptures that talk about this. Uh, We'll get into 1 Corinthians 3 shortly. But I want us to look here in chapter 4. Beginning in verse number 1. He speaks here, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man... Be found faithful. So we have, been, we have been given these mysteries. We have been given this life to live for God's glory and to honor Him. And so we are, we are to be good stewards of the life that we have been given. We are to be found faithful in all that the Lord has called us to. And so continue with me in verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you... Or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Everybody wants to talk about judgment and judging others. We need to submit ourselves to the Lord and let him judge us. And he goes on in verse 5, and this is important. Therefore... Judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, 
who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of God. I think you ought to underline that verse, especially the last part, because there every man shall have praise of God. And what are you saying there in verse number 5? And we've all experienced this. Have you ever been discouraged? You're doing everything you know to be right. You're trying to live for the Lord. There's a reason why Paul told the Galatians, uh, don't be weary in well-doing, because you will reap if you faint not, right? All of us get to a place and you wonder, am I really making a difference? And, and uh, is, is what I'm doing, is it worth it? And I just don't know. I can't see everything. Paul is saying, don't be so quick to pass judgment. Don't judge before the time. Because the Lord knows what is taking place. I remember years ago reading a testimony of a street preacher. And he was standing on a corner sidewalk. It was a very windy day. It was a bad day to be out street preaching, but he was there. It was his time to do it. It's a time that he always set aside to do that. And he's preaching away, and he left, and he felt defeated, and he just felt like he wasted his time, and he went home, and he was discouraged. But Sunday, there was a guy who came to his church and uh, went up to him at the end of the service and uh, got saved. And he said, he said, you don't know this, but I was... I was in the store that you were outside of preaching the other day. And I know that no one ever stopped and no one ever paid attention to you, but I was listening to every word that you had to say. Okay? And that is a great example. You just don't know, Larry, what God is doing in somebody's heart. Right? So just stay faithful and stay at it. He goes on in verse 6, And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you is to be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not Received it. Always remember, just do it for the Lord. And it is the Lord in you. And so if it's right and God is working in you, God can bring God can make it fruitful. And He can bring it to pass. Okay? So so let the Lord take care of it. Um, let's move on. Uh, in the judgment of Israel, I'm just going to mention these um, because. Uh, they, they're, they're future events, there's some things that's going to happen, but there's the judgment of Israel that you can read about in Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 33 through 44, and that takes place at the end of the Great Tribulation. There is the judgment of the nations, uh, the Gentiles, it takes place, and you read about in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, that that takes place when Christ returns to the earth with his saints. Uh, then there's the judgment of the fallen angels that takes place at the conclusion of the millennial reign. And you read about that in uh, Jude chapter 6 as well as Revelation 20 and verse 10 uh, when Satan himself is, is uh, thrown into the lake of fire. Um, that, is, that is a judgment that's going to take place. 
And uh, then let's, let's quickly, let's go to Revelation 20 in verse number 11. And uh, we, we mentioned in 1 Corinthians 4 the judgment of the believer's works. Well, this is the judgment of the unbelievers, the unsaved. And in Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15 speaks of the resurrection of the dead, those who are without Christ, and uh, they stand before God at the great white throne. And so let's read there, Uh, Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was found no place for them. And I, people, they, they want to scurry, they want to get away, but you just can't get away from the Lord. And he says in verse 12, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those books which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Your works will never get you to heaven. Amen. I want to show that to you more and more as we get through this this, uh, message tonight. So these individuals who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And they say... I believe I can get to heaven. I can earn my way. I can live good enough. There will come a day when they're outside of Christ where they will stand before God and they will be judged according to their deeds, their works. And the sea, verse 13, gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. I want to encourage everyone tonight, make sure your name is in the book of life. Amen? Just thought of something. Turn your your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Look here in verse number one with me. You say, preacher, can we know our name is in the book of life? Philippians 4 verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I was going to quote that verse later. It speaks of the, their joy and crown. The, 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 the saints in Philippi, the church, those who are saved. He says, I beseech Eodius... And beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are where? In the book of life. They are brethren. They are saved. They know Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. They are laboring in the gospel because they believe the gospel. And as a result, Paul says their name is in the book of life. Don't stand before God hoping you did something good enough to get there. 
Stand before God knowing your sins were paid for by Jesus Christ. Amen? So we go back to the first three judgments that were mentioned. And uh, the, the judgment of sin. And as a, as a saved child of God, I'm thankful tonight that my sin was judged at Calvary. And I received by faith Christ's atonement for my sin. And by grace through faith, his redemptive blood was applied. That's Romans chapter 3. And uh, so his blood was applied, Revelation 1, 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And so uh, without shedding of blood, there is no remission, Hebrews 9, 22. I'm thankful that Christ took care of it. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, just write the reference down. I'm going to read the, the verse. For he hath made him, who is Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Christ was made sin so that we might be made into his righteousness. And then Romans 8 verse 1, this is an important verse to always remember. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there's no eternal condemnation for the child of God, the believer. And so that's because our sin was judged at Calvary. And as a result of our sin, our salvation, we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God, which enables us to live our life every day in accordance to the will of God rather than the sinful, lustful pleasures of the flesh. And so every day I pray, God, lead me not into temptation. God, help me to do what is right. Help me to live my life for your glory. Help, help me to, uh, to stay away from sin. But if I do sin, confess it and get it right as soon as possible. And so that is the self-judgment of the believer. And then as I live this life... I must bear in mind there's coming a day when Christ himself will reward me and he rewards you according to what we have done in the body at the judgment seat of Christ. So turn your Bible to 2 Corinthians 5 in verse number 10. And uh, I want you to see this reference before we go to 1 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 10. Now he is writing here. To, again, to the believer. He's, not, he's going to say, for we must all appear. All right? That is, that is speaking to the saved. That's not speaking to every, per, every individual. So he says, um, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Okay? whether it be good or bad. Now, when we say something is bad, uh, we, we've got different definitions for it, right? When, uh, sometime, sometimes I can say, um, that guy right there is a bad dude. And he, I may mean he's an evil dude. But I may mean he's a pretty good dude, Right? So there's, there's different ways that we use it, different terms that we use it. Now, he speaks there of good and bad. And the term that he is using, bad, Strong's defines it as worthless. 
bad is worthless. It's, it's no good. It's, it's good for nothing. And so if we're not careful, and we'll see this in just a minute, turn, turn to 1 Corinthians 3. Um, some of the things we do with our lives may not be referred to as bad, as in evil, but they can be bad in that it has no eternal value. It's worthless. So let's read of the um, judgment seat of Christ here in 1 Corinthians 3. Okay, And uh, just follow along when we're going to start in verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, again, speaking of believers, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Are they saved? They're saved, right? They're saved people who struggle with envying and strife and divisions. Meaning they are fleshly minded, worldly minded, they're carnal, uh, they're, they're fulfilling the lust of the flesh more than uh, the spirit. Okay? And so they're struggling. And as a result, they're not really doing anything worthy with their life. Not worthy spiritually concerning what God has done for them. All right? So he, he says, he gives personal example, verse 4. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Because they're putting too much emphasis on men, on individuals. Well, I, I like Paul. And this one says, well, I like Apollos. They're, they're their favorite preachers, right? And so Paul responds in verse 5. Well, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But by ministers whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So let me, let me put a footnote in here. Okay, There is nothing that Jeremy Parker can do for the Lord in his own ability. It's going to have to be God working in him. Right? It's going to have to be the Lord. So we can't glory in ourselves. And Paul says, who are we? We're nothing. I, I, Paul says, I plant. Apollos comes along. He waters. But it's the Lord who gives the increase. It's the Lord who brings the fruit, who bears the fruit. We're just being obedient to the Lord with what God has given us in our life. Okay? And so God has blessed us. He's helped us. He's given these things. What are we going to do with them? So... He, he says, I'll read verse 7 again, So there, then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. But I want, I want you to know this, they, they do it in a way that gives God glory. So verse 8, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So you got a church full of people, we're united, we're one church, we're one body, but every person within the body is rewarded for what they do. It's their own labor that they do in the Lord. Verse 9, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, 
But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So everything begins with Jesus Christ. We're building upon the life, the relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ. All right? So everything we do after we're saved, we're building upon our faith, our relationship with the Lord. And so he mentions in verse 12, building materials. He's, he's illustrating. He's giving an example. Okay? And he says in verse 12, Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Okay? So he, he mentions building materials, gold, silver, precious stones. If they, if they burn to Marion, all they do is purify. They don't go away. So you can build with those items. And I can tell you as a builder, you can build with wood. And you can build some pretty nice things with wood. But if it catches fire, it's going away. Right? And hay, you don't really want to build anything out of hay. But you can. You can do some things with hay, but it's not that great. And really the only thing you can build out of stubble, quiche, is a bird nest. That's about it. Okay? And if it catches fire, it's going to go away. So the point I want to make tonight is this. It's not, Darren, it's not that wood, hay, and stubble is intrinsically bad. It's just not It's just not something like gold, hay, and stubble. It's not precious. Okay? And it's not something that can stand eternity. It cannot stand the fire. And so there's this judgment that's going to take place. And it's not the judgment of the believer. It's the judgment of our works, what we do for the Lord. And so he says there, if any man's work abide which is built thereupon, he shall receive a reward in verse 14. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. So you're saved. It doesn't have anything to do with your salvation, but it does have something to do with your eternal reward. Everybody got that? So you're not, you're not saved by your works. Now, if, if you believe that you're saved by your works, Larry, I got a Roman Catholic Bible in my office that I like to refer to when I'm teaching on subjects such as this. And if you go in that Bible to 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 15, it teaches you the doctrine of the false heresy, the heresy of, of purgatory. Because there, your works are burned and when you come through that then you can be saved and be in heaven that's where purgatory comes from I want you to see tonight in this passage that our work our work is tried but we our soul is not through the fire everybody got that our soul does not go through the fire but our work does and we can lose our reward 
but we're not going to lose our salvation. He himself shall be saved. Now, can, can you hold your place right? Well, let's move on to Titus. Look in Titus chapter 3. Okay? I want you to see this. Titus, um, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 2 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus chapter 3. I want you to look in verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So no man is saved by his works of righteousness. It is what the, the love of God and the mercy and salvation comes through what Jesus Christ done for us. So the scripture is clear that we're not saved by our deeds. Second John, uh, go back to Second Thessalonians. Second John 8 says, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. So you can lose your reward. You cannot lose your salvation. And there are five distinct crowns mentioned in the Bible that will be rewarded to the believer for various reasons. And we started out, this is why we started on this passage tonight, uh, because we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we get to, uh, Paul mentions here this crown of rejoicing. Uh, let me get there. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 19. He says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Now you might reference, just write down this reference besides verse 19, Philippians 4.1. And I'll read it to you. Therefore, my dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. The crown of rejoicing is also known as the soul winner's crown. And that is individuals that we have put forth the effort and had a part in seeing them come to Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, Paul led many of them to the Lord in Thessalonia. He led some to the Lord in Philippi. But that church is established and it's growing as a result of what he began. And so our part... And, and, and seeing people get saved, whether it's giving to missions and seeing missionaries lead people to Christ, there is a crown of rejoicing. Those are souls that have come to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. So that's, that's one crown. Um, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Go to your right, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and let's, let's read verse 1. This is Paul's last chapter that he's writing in, his, in, his, in the scriptures in his life as he's about to, to lose um, his life for his faith. 2 Timothy 4 verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. 
Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will endure sound, not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We live in that day right now. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So the crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4 verse 8 is given to those who long for God more than we long for this world. And we live with the hope that today we might see Jesus. We're looking for his return. That's the crown of righteousness. Then you have the incorruptible crown or, or also called victor's crown. Go to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 tonight. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So the incorruptible's crown is given to those who obtain mastery over the old man by placing their bodies under subjection and fighting against the desires of the flesh. They're, they're, they're being faithful. I, I think of Romans 12, 1 and 2 when I, when, I, when I read of this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Then, there's two more, quickly. First, uh, first Peter, go to First Peter, in the back of your New Testament, First Peter chapter 5, in uh, verse number 1. This is the crown of glory given to those who effectively feed the flock of God, those... Um, it could be preachers, teachers, those who are ministering uh, and, and, and teaching others. He says, 1 Peter 5, verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage but being ensamples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Then we'll, we'll stop here in James, uh, James 1 and verse 12. Well, we're not going to stop here.
But this is, this is the last one, the crown of life. Um, James 1, verse 12. Given to those who endure trials and are faithful to death. James 1, 12, he says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So they, they face suffering and overcome. Uh, look in... Revelation 2, Revelation 2, and uh, go here. We're going to finish in Revelation 4. Uh, but look here in Revelation 2 in verse number 10. He says, Fear none of those things, Jesus Christ speaking, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will give thee a crown of life. Now, why is, why is all this important? Well, look at chapter 4, okay? In chapter number 4. Because when we, when we stand before the Lord and we're rewarded, we get praise of God. And it's not because Darren Tucker is some amazing fellow. It's because he allowed God to do something special through his life. Can I, amen? It's, it's not that we're anything special. But get this, for, get this as we close. Too often we're so concerned with wood, hay, and stubble that we miss... We're consumed with, with things that aren't going, they're, they're temporary. That when we stand before God, there's no good, there's no gold, silver, and precious stones. And everyone wants to stand before the Lord and say, well done, right? We all want that. So Revelation 4, I want you to look here in verse... Uh, Let's look at verse 10. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were. So this is, this is what I want to close with tonight. God has done so much for us that we want our life, that we want our life to count for something. I, I, I closed last week in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 12 that we walk worthy of the Lord. That our life counts for something, that it matters eternally. And that as a result of that, there is a reward for the believer. There are things that God gives to those who have, who have built upon their faith something that glorifies God. Not ourselves; it glorifies God. And that reward is not so we get put in the heavenly times as some super spiritual Christian. It's... It enables us to give something back to God. Right? 
God did, so, God did so much for me that he gave me salvation and forgiveness and eternity and an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away. I, I'm not pursuing rewards so that I have this trophy case I can put my, in my John 14 mansion, right? It's, it's, so that, it's so that I can give glory back to God. And it was a life well worth lived. And it's a life worthy of God's glory. And it brings praise back to himself. That's where our focus needs to be. Amen? That's where our focus needs to be. And let's, so let's, let's seek that. Get in Christ. Know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And serve faithfully that God may reward. Father, I pray tonight that you would bless us. Bless your word as it's been preached and delivered. And I pray that it ministers to each of us. Lord, there's, there are judgments that mankind have to deal with. And the most important one is that we know that our sins have been covered and paid for by Jesus Christ. And we know him as our Savior. And we know that we are in the book of life. And so that we live with that hope. And we live with that assurance that we have been forgiven. And now this life that you have given us, let us not waste it. Let us not be consumed with temporary things that only bring a, a fading moment of pleasure. But let us be consumed with living a life that is eternal. That we're laying up treasure in heaven where moth does not corrupt rather than laying our treasure up in earth where thieves can steal. Let us not lose our reward. Let us be faithful in our service to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. It's 8.05.